0: Or multiple glasses of wine. Yeah, ready? there you go. And uh, we are now live on Zoom. So both platforms behaving fantastic, and we're gonna wait till the eight o'clock East Coast time because John and Ashley, you don't know, or maybe you do know, that we moved out of Chicago to Naples, Florida. Oh, uh, I did not that. Okay. If you aren't going to get to Napa, you might as well move to a city that at least it's close NAP but has an ocean, and yeah. we decided to do. Uh, Debbie a Long, big wine Jan, ocean. and a big wine auction. So yeah. yes, Jan Kiefer, K Jurica, Peter Glick, hello sir, Sean Manning in Colorado, Stefan Meyer, very good to see you, and uh, we'll give this a little bit more time as we get to nearly the top of the hour, and uh, Facebook folks, feel free to comment. To Ivy, that is going to be monitoring that chat. We've got an awesome evening this week lined up. Super, super excited for SIP 34. Uh, and 34, very special number to all Chicago sports fans, because I uh Walter Payton, who's greatest running back of all time. Uh, and it's probably the only football player I can remember with 34. Earl Campbell may have been 34. Um, and other than that, I'm I'll fresh out of football players from the 80s. So. <laughs> So I don't know why I can't name any. Jim Brubaker is on, also from Colorado. And then Denise is going to comment in the chat line on Zoom so everyone can make certain they're communicating with everybody. Uh, But this is SIP 34 our Friday night feature with excellent winemakers, excellent wines from the Napa and Sonoma Valley. Uh, My name is Martin Cody, co-founder of Cellar Angels, and Cellar Angels is a private online direct-to-consumer curator of the fine wines from Napa and Sonoma that really aren't available in the retail setting. So these are the wines you discover on your third or fourth or fifth trip to Napa when you've done the large houses and you've gotten tired of being five deep at a tasting room and you have ventured off into the hillsides to meet some fantastic people and wonder oh my goodness why have I never been able to find your 100 case production? And there's a reason for that because the three tier system really doesn't work for the small producers of which about 85% of them in the Napa and Sonoma valleys are classified as small producers. So Seller Angels is a company dedicated to their success. founded in 2010, now going into our 10th or 11th year of operation. Uh, We like telling the stories of these great, great wine producers and even better people. And tonight is no no exception, quite honestly, because uh, I say a lot that wine brings people together. And it was a couple of people that introduced us to John and Ashley, and I would like to introduce them to all of you. So without much further ado, John and Ashley Dorr of Lampierde Vineyards, welcome and thanks for spending some of your Friday with us.
1: Absolutely. Happy to be here.
0: So just to give some folks a little orientation uh, geographically on where we are, over my shoulder is uh, probably the most challenging vineyard I ever had to get to, and it is up on top of Mount Viter. and I thought we had an arduous task getting up there until our film crew came bouncing around the turn in a van with equipment that was strewn everywhere <laughs> inside the van, and uh, I thought James was going to kill me when he got out of that van uh, because I think the road had, a, I don't know if it was rain worn or had some potholes in it or whatever, but vans are not made for that for that right. drive up. But it is a spectacular piece of property, and Debbie and Philip Long, you guys are great for joining Doug Rutherford. But we were talking a little bit earlier in the pre-recorded session about the steepness of this hillside, and it is not a camera trick. This isn't Photoshop. This—I don't even know. Do you guys know what degree slope that is?
1: The block that you're kind of in front of there is just just approaching 30
0: percent. So. So that's a 30-degree
2: slope. And that's a legal limit of vineyards in Napa Valley is 30%. All
0: right. So then it's probably 37 or so? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There is a very small portion of this block you're looking at that is over 30, but they allow you as long as it's not, they call it what's blended, meaning that you don't blend over 30%. But this the area you're looking at, and then the block in the further block behind you, that's another one close to 25 to 30%. So they're... You're on Mount Vitor. I mean, there's just not a lot of flat ground up there.
0: No, so so that's interesting, the blending aspect. So you can have some spots that are 40, 45 degrees. Small, but very,
2: very small. Very, it has to be very small.
0: Okay, so that's fantastic. Uh, but this is an extremely high location and I don't know how you found it. So please share <laughs> with me. This is not one of those places where you're like, yeah, let's go up that road and see if there's a vineyard block for sale. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, it goes back to Ashton and I were married in 94 in, in St. Helena. And shortly after that, we just started talking about what we, you know, really did we want to stay in Napa Valley? Is it, is it Napa? We had been there for a couple of years and we were just trying to decide is this a place. Ashley was looking at Cornell to go back to school and we just didn't know. So we thought, well, if we're going to look, let's just start looking around for, for land. And we love the Amador foothills. We love Anderson Valley. We just didn't think we'd be able to stay in Napa because of the price. It just, even in 94, 95, it was, for us, it was still very expensive to buy property there. I engaged with a realtor friend and he said, well, I have this one piece on Dry Creek. We went and looked at it. It didn't have water, which I I knew as an agriculturalist, we needed, you know, that was going to be a critical to us. He goes, I have this other piece up on the very top of Mount Vieter. It's difficult to get to. Wineries have come and looked at it and they, they just did not want to take a shot at it. They didn't understand how they could develop it into a vineyard. So we went and took a look at it. And yeah, it, it was challenging. The road actually Martin was in, is in better, so much better shape than it was when we first went up there. So, uh, and I worked for a company at the time, or actually I was consulting with a company, Pina Vineyard Management, who I ended up working for. They're one of the best developers in Napa Valley And so when we took a look at it, I asked them if they could come take a look at it with me. They came to the, around the corner, we got it to the top of the hill. They looked down and said, this doesn't seem that difficult. So we ended up putting an offer in on it. uh, And we got 35 acres for $245,000, which in Napa, that was crazy. Uh, It was that that it was unheard of uh, at that time. So we obviously, we ran at it
0: and uh, it, uh, Turned out to be a good good decision yeah you you could even get half an acre for that now maybe three quarters of it sure. <laughs> it would be challenging
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. We said, uh, there- Another gentleman on the other side of Mount Theater who had started a development up there and just kind of ran out of money and wasn't able to kind of finish it. And so we had the vision, you know, for what the development could be, I think when we first saw it. And um, without that, I don't know if it was all tree covered, like you know, behind you, which was virtually what most of the property was. I don't know if we could have had that vision, but just seeing that you know that how you could kind of develop from there, it um uh, you know, it gave us the, the vision to
0: yeah.
1: Be able to see what we
0: could do, so. So you got married in St. Helena, so you were already Mm -hmm. in wine country. Was it agricultural that brought you to wine country?
1: Yes, yes. Um, John got the job as a crop consultant up here, pretty much right out of college. And And where
0: uh, where where was college? Cal
2: Poly San Luis Obispo. Okay. That's where we met in college. And I was in what's called the fruit science program with viticulture kind of as a concentration. As she was in an ornamental horticulture.
0: Interesting. And so, and where were you from prior to college? California or out east or Midwest? Yeah,
1: California. I grew up in, and we're both, Navy. we had both military families. Um, oh, okay. I grew up mostly down in San Diego, and John, uh, his dad retired and, and moved to the Central Valley Visalia area. And so mm-hmm. he had worked in agriculture for a long time. I, I had a desire to study agriculture. So when I went to college, um, we both were in ag and um, yeah, it was John kind of moving to Napa and us getting married that really brought us to Napa. I was more in horticulture um, with flowers and floriculture and there just wasn't any opportunity here for that. Um, so I, I uh, had started working for a researcher doing uh, entomology research and when I came here I worked for the for the farm advisor and then worked for a farming company and you
0: know we started our, so, our roots definitely in grapes mostly here so so you were
1: a flower child I was yeah
0: <laughs> when I, <met> her. <laughs> you know what I was gonna say this is like tailor-made for these, you're feeding me these lines this is unbelievable <laughs> um and and I love it about that I mean it's how could you not growing up in that era and that time and I mean that's awesome John I'm interested in in how the decision literally fresh out of college to go to Napa because, because Napa wasn't, you know, it was, it wasn't as agriculturally popular as it is now, but so how did you, yeah. how did that come about? You know, I, I, I've had to think back about this, but it really was, it was that feeling
2: of, I wanted to get into wine, to growing wine. Growing up in the San Joaquin Valley, yeah, you grow wine grapes, but you grow a lot of table grapes, cotton, hay, sugar beets, you know, and so I was around all of that in the San Joaquin Valley, which was fantastic, but. I just really knew I wanted to get into wine grapes. I just knew that that was ultimately what I wanted to pursue. And it's like, if you're going to go into acting, you go to Hollywood. If you're going to go into computers, you go to Silicon Valley. If you're, you know, so it, Napa Valley was the place. If you're going to go so you- challenge yourself to the best people, to the best wines, you go there, you know, and that's where you go to find the best opportunities to challenge and define whether this is really something that's going to be your life.
0: No, that's actually a great way to phrase it too, because if, if you're going to do something, go to the place where the best commiserate, hang out and produce yeah, the best stuff. You're going to learn then, the most because right. you know college teaches
2: you a lot about your ultimate profession. But as I think we all know, it's getting into the business world, getting into your job is where the people around you is who you're going to learn from. That's right. really who you're going to ultimately get the most knowledge from. And it's proven true with me. I've had so many people who've mentored me through the years and yeah, I, I could, it could go on forever. The number of people I could tell you who has helped me become who I am today.
0: I mean, that's that's one of the things I love about the wine business. AJ Walker, hello on Facebook. Amy McGowan, hello on Facebook. And Scott Eddy, hello on Facebook. Mr. Scott Eddy, by the way, uh, one of the greatest influencers in the social world in the world. Uh, I love the fact that you decided to do that, John and Ashley, that you went around for the ride, um, because you you take a look at the people that have done that throughout sports. You know, I marveled when Annika Sorensen decided I want to play on the PGA Tour. I've done the LPGA, but now I want to elevate my game and take it to where the boys play. So that's a pretty fascinating uh, character trait. So when fresh out of college, without the experience, you decided this is where I want to go learn about this industry. And. Was it about from the agricultural side or was it the intent to I want to make great grapes and then sell them and be in, the, you know, being the growing side or the commercial side?
2: No, always the growing side. Still today, Ashton, and I will tell you, we, we are farmers. Yeah, that's what we want to do. That's where our heart is. That's where our desire is. And it's probably why, you know, when we decided to make a wine, we weren't going to make everything off of our property. We said, let's pick the best blocks that we think we could make the best wines off of our property. Let's choose those, a Grenache, a Cabernet, and let's make a small amount. Let's just make us the, the amount that we are comfortable with, the amount that we think we can sell and not have to be the, the wine side be that we were strapped to it. And I got that advice again from a, more than a few people who said, don't grow your wine program too big. You're a farmer at heart. Be a farmer right. at heart. Have a small wine label that you can really cherish, really make high quality wines and and be there. Don't don't grow to a point where you're frustrated with it. That but is and, 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 selling wine is hard. <laughs> it's just it's not the easiest thing to do. You've got to knock on a lot of doors and you're going to get said no to it. Just that's just the nature of wine selling. And it's 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 hard. It's not something Ashley and I are comfortable with selling wine. We can sell our grapes. That's that's easy for us. But selling wine is a whole different animal. Yeah.
1: That's kind like programs like yours. Um because yeah, you help you. us you know get out there and get the word out. We have beautiful wines that come off our property and um and you know and having someone help us do that. It's been really a nice partnership with you guys.
0: Oh you awesome and we love it as well because it's fun for us to expose people to great wines that they would never have the opportunity to ever access unless they went to the Valley, you know, two or three times a year over a period of subsequent years to where you get to meet people that mm-hmm. then to your point, John, it's like, hey, if you think this is good, I need to introduce you someone up on yeah. top of Mount Beaker type of thing. And it's such a wonderful close knit community in that regard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie Fogarty, who is a regular SIP member from the Chicago area. She has a question, and I think you just kind of answered it, is selling wine harder than growing wine or being a farmer?
1: <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> <And that's>, absolutely. It's <laughs> not to say that farming or growing
2: grapes, vineyards or is easy, I'm not, we're not trying to, to say that, it's just, it's yeah, what no. we know. Yeah, we know it, we're comfortable with it, we're willing to take the risks that are involved in farming Making wine is just something we don't we're not as experienced with. You know, it's just not something that is in our blood.
0: Well, and it's interesting because Doug Rutherford uh, just provided a perfect segue in a question. Hopefully the nice behringer wines from your vineyard have helped. And <laughs> <laughs> we get that, you know, people have definitely
2: called us, written yeah, us right. and said, I discovered you through loving your single vineyard Behringer wines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really want to try your now your own wine. So yes, that is, it's been a very nice partnership with Behringer.
0: And and what, and let's talk a little bit about that partnership, because it, for those of you that don't know, you know, Behringer has a private reserve program that I think they have four or five single vineyard wines. I believe this. I think it's about.
1: Five. They've
0: got about three or four of their own
2: properties, and then they outsource to people like us. Um, it used to be the vote property that I used to farm, actually, and we sold it. To oh wow! Them. Um, Nickel and or Carpe Connolly? That no, no, that's somebody else. I think there's,
1: se- I believe maybe there's seven, seven. Maybe about seven total vineyards yeah. that go
2: that's into same. the private yeah. reserve. Yeah. Okay,
0: so, so they, they, so they
1: both, I, we did, they both. Our wine both goes into the private reserve as well as the single vineyard.
0: So So that's for I mean, the private reserve program is kind of nice because they've got, as we were just talking, five to seven different vineyard sources that they source for the final blend. The final blend is it is not your Tuesday night taco wine. It is a very special bottle of wine and it has a price point that commands that specialness about it. But then also, as I think, a unique attribute of that program is, in addition to whatever is in the final blend, they sell those wines uh, individual bottles of that vineyard block. So the Lampirde bottle, I mean, it's incredible that you have that relationship with them. Because, and I think it's great that people kind of do some due diligence and research and go, okay, so this is from a vineyard on Mount Viter that I've never heard of, and you know, thank goodness for yeah. Google and the telephone. Um, and and I think when you have your wines made. Uh, I, I think the story is fascinating. I would, I'd love for you to share it about, uh, I know you saved a bunch of money on the land and was the intent, well, now we can spend it all on a winemaker
1: because- we have some amazing partnerships. Um, so the, the cab that we make is the communication block and it's this bottle right here. Um, if you can see that in the screen. Yep. Perfect. Um, but Aaron Pot, uh, when we first decided to do that wine, we met with Aaron Pott and we were talking to him about the idea we had of donating all of the profits from this wine to help a nonprofit that I was starting at the time. And that nonprofit is called Napa Valley Kids Connect. It's a um, it's a program that helps support children and students in the Napa Valley um, with technology and access to curriculum. Students that can't either speak or need assistance um, at accessing materials to be able to uh, work on their curriculum on the, on the computers um, or what have you. And so uh, when we met with Aaron, he said, you know, basically look no further, look, mm-hmm. through, look no further I'm your man, you know, basically were the words out of his mouth, really an amazing man. Uh, if you know, Aaron um, has a huge heart. Um, and so he actually donated his time to create this wine and, and produce this wine for us. He donated and,
2: his time, the facility, the facility to make it at, the barrel to put it in, which, you know, this is a cost to him. And, yeah. But he was such a generous supporter of his program as she was starting that. Yeah, we couldn't thank him more. He's, yeah. he's been a good friend for he's a so long great. time.
1: A great and Great job with our wine. Um, made a really beautiful wine uh, for us think- and for the program.
0: And I think that's an important aspect of the story is, is the donation part, because you hear a lot in Napa specifically, you know, with the cult Cabernet's commanding three, four, $500 a bottle and these winemakers that are heralded and, and walking around on rare earth. And then you hear about a story like Aaron who says in the interview process, stop looking for a winemaker. I'm your guy. And Oh, by the way, I'm not charging you for a thing uh, just because he's so moved by the mission of what you're doing to donate these proceeds for this program. I mean, That should be on the front page of Spectator. That's the type of story that endears people to the the region. And I I wish there was more of it. And Scotland Kiefer also from Chicago. uh, Scotland, you're right, uh, because he says, I'm sure it's easier to sell once people taste the wines because the Grenache is awesome and the communication block is great too. So (laughs) uh, Scotland, a terrific palate and and an appreciator of fine wine. So you have, um, I think that actually, since we talk about Cabernet, we've talked about Grenache, I'm gonna ask the first poll question. Uh, so everyone has to you know, get the appetizers off your fingers. You're gonna to have to get the keyboard ready and you will be able to see this. John and Ashley purchased this property in 1998. They produced world glass Cabernet and also their favorite variety, Syrah Zinfandel Grenache. Should have put Cabernet in there. <laughs> I'll give this about five more seconds. And the pot from last week has carried over. If you two need a moment to discuss off camera, uh, let no, no, me know.
2: I, I, she disagreed with me. I just said something, <laughs> Dory. <dark. laughs>
0: All right. Uh, so the answer is. Look girl. at those smart people. Look
1: at those numbers.
2: <laughs> you know, Marvin, right. I just said to Ashley, I said, you know, it's interesting because when we bought the property, our very first acre we planted was Zinfandel. Because at the time, well, Zinfandel was not, I don't even know if we knew what Grenache was. Yeah, it was we rich, love Zinfandels, A Raffinelli, the Ridge Zinfandels. I mean, that was our favorite wine at that time. And so we, the very first acre we planted up there, we said, we're doing Zinfandel we may be drinking all this stuff. I, who knows? <laughs> so, we, and so Zinfandel really, and it still is one of our favorite varietals. When it's uh, done well. Yeah, when it's done well. Yeah, yeah. If it's not yeah. over, if it's if not it's too big, rising. we don't yeah. like the big ripe zins. Yeah.
0: No. And it's funny because I had that information that Zinfandel was your favorite. And then Ashley corrected me yesterday. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs>
1: on the website honestly um but yeah so once we started getting into more of the rome varietals that's just the direction that we've got they're so drinkable they're so beautiful with food um and and
0: and how did you get into the rome varietals when you live in cab country
1: it's just what we were drinking, yeah. honestly, you know, it's just what we gravitated towards. And so after kind of years of that, we decided to, when we were doing our next phase of planting, after we had our, you know, our Cabernet all planted in the one acres and still there, um, we just said, you know, I don't I don't want to grow Cab anymore. I want to grow something different. I want to grow something that we want to drink. And so we planted Syrah and Grenache on basically the hillside that's more of this behind you, right there, uh, right off to the right. Um and kind of right where there. that tree yeah right yeah. where that tree is in the middle of the block and so we planted an acre of Grenache and an acre of Syrah and it really those really there. have there turned out to be absolutely gorgeous wines so
2: yeah and Martin, I think you if you ask I ask a hundred percent of the winemakers in Napa Valley the actual winemaker people right, right. Cab is not their favorite wine to drink. I guarantee you, if they're honest with you, they, they don't, they drink oddball wines. They're looking for things that are strange, that are unique, because we all have access to Cabernet here. Right. You can drink great cabs every day, but most of the great winemakers in this valley, you'll find Grenaches, Trousseau Gris, you know, these, these interesting
0: varietals, they'll come up with it. They come to your house,
2: they don't bring a Cabernet never they're going to bring something
0: interesting really and especially if you know given aaron's background and he's right over the hill by the crow flies you know aaron's not bringing a cab to your house now
2: yeah
0: (laughs) you know his
2: uh his i don't know if he still calls it it but he used to be shatneuf de pot
0: that was his his (laughs) little vineyard does he okay he He still calls it shatneuf de pot i love it (laughs) and and it's interesting because because that's actually you know where Grenache comes from, in the Rhone Valley, and uh, some of the most expensive wines in the world are Chattanooga and and Grenache is the main grape in those wines. And so, and and Ashley, you're 100% correct. They are so good with food, Mm -hmm. and and I'm gonna show folks um, this bottle because that is the bottle we're drinking out of, and it has got an incredibly unusual label. So walk me through the label, because the front label doesn't have a word on it.
1: <laughs> which
2: legally means it's the back label
1: because
2: <laughs> you have to put the alcohol content on the front label. <laughs> so the, the back label that lo- looks like the back label is technically the front label. Legally,
0: it's the like front like. label. But, and the hill behind and the hill me is 30 degrees. I get it, exactly. you guys are exactly. <laughs> Just
2: to be, just to
0: be clear. <laughs> right. Look at John, I don't know who's listening, but just yeah. on the legal side of things. <laughs> yeah who's out there Uh,
2: anyway uh originally our vineyard we called firefly from the top of the the hill ashley's mother's from the east coast and, and father and so when we first took them up there you can look out from the hill that tank off to your right or your left off to the right of the photo up there and you can see san francisco and the whole bay area and all the lights blinking and it's a beautiful view and her mother said god it looks like fireflies out there and so we're like Firefly, that seems kind of, we hadn't chosen a name for our site. And so we thought Firefly. Well, a buddy of mine who runs a large label company calls me one day and says, hey, I'm running like a 50,000 run on a Firefly Ridge label. I was like, what? So Safeway had used the name. So we realized, all right, that's not gonna work. Uh, we can't, uh, we're not gonna fight them for the name. And so Lampyridae is the family of insects that contains fireflies. So under the, the family, you'll find fireflies there. And so we decided to change the name to fire to Lampiridae. So, ah. so being that lamp, we had originally the label was going to be just an old style flange lamp. And Ashley's brother, when he looked at it, he says, you know, you guys ought to incorporate the wings of the firefly into this, your label. And we're like, oh, that seems like a pretty cool idea. And so we approached our uh, the gal who's doing the design and told her to add it and she loved it she just said this is so cool so she worked on it and it kind of this is what came from it is the the lamp with the wings of the firefly
0: Uh, i love it and and it's because it's an absolute conversation starter number one and 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 since great wine brings people together uh, it usually has conversation and great food and so when you have this wine and by the way, let's continue with that legal theme. So 14.8% alcohol. So we know there's plus or minus three, right, type of thing. Um, but but if, if great wine brings people together for great food, what foods do you most enjoy? And have you learned that pairs very, very well with this Grenache?
2: I like Fruit Loops. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, uh, you know, I think the thing about Grenache, it goes with everything we've had we have it with salmon we'll have it with pork we're certainly going to have quite a few bottles at Thanksgiving it's to me it's it is
1: it it is really we we released this right around Thanksgiving and it is it is so perfectly paired with Thanksgiving dinner
2: um yeah all the things the cranberries and that you know because you you get the notes when you drink it you get these notes of kind of the bigger blackberries and blueberries and cherry notes and It just seems to be a wine that fits so beautifully with that introduction of fall. It's
1: not not overpowering with um, with the lighter needs,
0: you know. No, and even at fourteen eight, we joke around a little bit, that seems high. There's no heat in this at all. It's incredibly well balanced, very well balanced. Uh, And judging by some of the comments, uh, Nick Schramm, this is pouring very nicely. Jeff and Jane Greasy. And Jeff and Jane Greasy, I'm just going to raise a glass to you because you've been here as many times as we have, 34 <laughs> weeks in a row, we, ha- we have to be yeah. here, you choose it to happens. be here, so. so thank you so much for that. And uh, Stefan, you also are, are you. Stefan actually says uh, he thought the label was very intriguing and his wife is an artist and she was elated when she saw the label, so <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that's, it's a neat aspect of it because It's a challenging part of like you talked about earlier, selling wine is difficult. You have to make all these decisions like, oh my God, what kind of label are we gonna have? What is it gonna look like? We don't want it to be pedestrian. We want it to stand out. I mean, there's a million decisions on it and this just absolutely pops is unique. Uh, So congratulations on that. You did great.
1: Thank
0: you. you. Uh, But as we all know, the label can be fantastic, but if what inside (laughs) is not good, uh, and this is amazing. So I'm intrigued that the Thanksgiving dinner, because I would not normally have thought of grenache, and now I'm sitting here thinking, why wouldn't I? It, there's yeah. so many hearty dishes on that table.
1: It is a really beautiful wine with the with the dinner, and you know that has pepper in it, and and all of those deep fruits. Um, it's just bring out such great flavors.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it because there there might have to be another bottle of uh, this opened up a couple weeks down the road. Uh, when, <laughs> we do when we have that bird uh i am going to show some folks uh just a a little spot that we like to do called google earth uh to kind of show folks where you are and it it is i mean everyone knows that we we always start with wine region uh, because for us it's the most important area of the world and it is always napa and sonoma and so when you look at this mountain line, and, and you're not that far out of Napa from, from where you guys are located.
2: We, as you yeah. enter, cross our we actually enter through Sonoma. As you guys are coming up that awful road, uh, you're yep. actually in Sonoma at the time. When you come through our gate, you cross into Napa. So we're literally on the county line.
0: So let's just zoom in there so everyone gets a perspective on this absolutely spectacular piece of land. and I'll slow it down there because you can kind of see now just the hillside. Mm -hmm. And as we get further and further in, you get to see just the terrain. And it's insane. And And we have it. Martin, you were saying this
2: this looks to be after the 17 fires. Correct. Yeah.
0: Which is unfortunate because you can see the, the forestation that did exist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Uh, which is amazing because this is 2014. And uh, I mean, what th- this was all just forest when you were here? Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. The If you're looking to the south there, that's the northern part of Mayakamas. That's their property. And then... Okay just off to the the south of that block. And then as you go lower in the vineyard to the lower block to your to well to my left, I'm looking at I guess your left. Yeah. That's Sky Vineyards, and a really great Zinfandel producer. And the kind of off to our northeast from here would be the old Chateau Patel properties. And yeah, there's just it's really interesting when you really get a sense of what's around here. There's a lot of amazing properties around us.
0: Yeah, and this hill is
2: incredibly steep. So that's the one you're looking at and that you're waving back and forth on. That's yeah. what's right behind you on your photo. Yep, behind you. Oh, that so you're in a photo then that they block, the other block off to your right shoulder is not developed yet. We developed that in 2016, that one. Mm-hmm.
0: So that one was developed in 2016. So let's just see. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's a project we did with handwritten wines. It was, uh, uh, a. is that John Wallenbrock? It's Jessup Sellers and handwritten yeah. is their high-end vineyard designate wines. And so yep. what we did is we, um, with Rob, Rob, I grew up with Rob um, in the San Joaquin Valley, and we always thought about wanting to do a project together. So that block there is an acre of Cab, acre of Cab Franc, and about a 10th of an acre of Petit Ferdot that our goal is to pick it on the same day, which isn't done a lot around here and co-ferment it. So that, that's our goal. And we've been able to do it two years in a row. You know, Rob says to us, he says, listen, if the front's way behind in ripeness, we're not gonna do it that way. But so far we've been able to bring them pretty close in ripeness together. And uh, it's gonna be a really exciting wine project.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Cause we've uh, had the Jessup Sellers folks on Seller Angels a couple of times. Okay. Uh, they make some great wines. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. So how often do you get up to this house?
1: (laughs) Well, we lived up there. We raised our children up there um, for a long time. And then when things got a little busier uh, with them and their activities, we moved down to town. So we're up there, you know, a lot through the summer and through August and, you know, on holidays and that type of thing and various weekends, but um, not quite as much as we used to be.
0: I mean, it really gives you a sense of just horrific devastation those fires that I mean this is February of 2018 so yeah. six, six months earlier this was all gone yeah yeah and, and you yeah. can clearly see how the vineyards acted as a break and how yeah, it came it right up to your house
1: it did yeah we had it basically burnt right up to our house we had a nice burn mark right in the front deck and thankfully that didn't take off but it came we have a uh, weather stations up there it was kind of interesting that um we could tell exactly when it came through and it was within a 15 minute period that the fire swept through. it came through so fast that it just went right around the vineyard and damaged maybe about an acre of vines down below and and the new block that we had just planted um but the bulk of it you know really vineyards are beautiful fire breaks you know yes um, yeah. so, it, so it really it, kind of saved everything
0: and actually, John, you're right. I, I, the county line is here. So, you, that's right
1: there. That's the yeah, we're right lane. off the county line.
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. No, that is just such a picture perfect piece of property. I applaud you for having the vision of. It being all trees and saying yeah we can make a vineyard here yeah uh <laughs> we're john's that,
1: vision I think, and mine I think we
0: are probably Martin, a little naive
2: i think
1: and they, which helps
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think when you're going yeah. into something like this that that helps to
1: yeah our first projections were pretty hilarious yeah. we're going to be getting four cents per acre and all these money you know that never happened yeah so. bob <laughs>
2: steinhauer who's the legendary viticulturist from behringer uh when i first told him that i said when we were doing a pre-plant contract in 99 with them and and I said, he goes, so what are you guys thinking? And I said, well, Bob, I, you know, I want to, you know, we'll project four tons per acre. And he just laughed. <laughs> he goes, yeah, good luck. <laughs> we, no. we average about two and a half. Two and a half. I mean, three is a
1: decent yeah, year. Yeah, we get three. We're yeah. we're pretty
2: happy. And right. very
1: tiny berries, you know, that's which gives us such great concentration in our in our wine, in the wine that is produced up for a vineyard. Um, really, a, a great acidity for longevity in the wines. The acidity really helps them hold up for a long time. Um, they just get better and better, you know, the longer you hold them.
2: Right. When, when uh, my Thomas, being our neighbors, you get mm-hmm. kind of an idea of how our wines are projected to age. I mean, they're going to age for years and years.
0: That's exactly where I was going because I, I don't remember what was the first vintage date.
2: Our Zinfandel, who friends of ours, the Schulzes, uh, we sold it to, uh, made an 01 Zinfandel. So we planted that block in 98, got the first crop off in 01. We planted the Cabernet in 01. Behringer took a little bit in 03, oh, three. but the first vintage you can see from Behringer, of the, of the single vineyard is an 04. Uh, the 04 Cab is their very first. So yeah, the first wine ever made from our property was an 01 Zinfandel.
0: And do you still have any of that left? We've got a couple bottles. You know, and I,
2: I opened a 04 Zinfandel not that long ago. And it was up. Uh, It was really nice. Yeah. Um,
0: and the O4 Cabs are obviously they're they're still drinking really well. That's incredible. And that's where I was going when I was trying to figure out when you mentioned the Mayakamas and their wine ages just so wonderfully well and and John your your agricultural background you know what was it about this particular site did you do soil tests did you I mean what was it that drew you here that said yeah this is actually I think this can be okay so let's go get a, a second and third opinion the price <laughs> 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 it's the only thing we could afford <laughs> no it was it was
2: it was it was the uniqueness of it. It really was the volcanic soil. That, that, to me, I just thought that was so fascinating. Having been a crop consultant in the Valley and working with, you know, all these different high-end cult wineries and seeing what they were doing, bringing up some of my friends up there before we bought it. Um, and they were just, they were fascinated by it. And one of the things, the, more than a few people said, it reminded them of Provence. Okay. That was the thing, even though we didn't go initially with the Rhone, they just, or even those style of wines they just said god these soils and they just the way it looks just reminds me so much of provence uh, it has that really white chalky kind of look but it's not limestone it's it's a tufa uh, type of soil so it's really the ph is very low not a lot of nitrogen high P, high uh, potassium very low magnesium very low you know nitrogen everything else is pretty low other than the potassium. And that is where you get the changes in your pH uh, in the the wines, which allow
0: for some of that longevity we feel. Well, and sometimes Google Earth and even the image behind me can give you an indication of the steepness and and the topography. But I do want to share a picture when, Denise, now you were kind enough to take us to the top of the vineyard in like a gator and let us walk out and then left us up there. But um, (laughs) just So, so this is, uh, I mean, there's a geological uh, site up there or something, right? Yeah. There's a path where, and so we walked and went out there and this is overlooking all of Napa Valley, but yeah, you, you go two or three feet to the right or left there. And uh, one person's coming back and the other one's going to have to face and yes. and they're, they're going to face some questions. You fall into a steep caldera. They, uh, I guess it's called. And so this is all volcanic rock.
2: Yeah. Everything you're seeing. Yeah, behind you, like I said, is a big, you know, half circle. I think they still call it a caldera. It may not be geologically called that, but that's what I, it was a blowout of a vent. It's not, you're not standing on the actual volcanic peak, the old, you know, thousand and thousands years ago. That's actually over on the Mayakamas property. So what, what you're oh, looking wow. at, what you're standing on is what, what's called a side vent that blew out and blew all of its rock and all that toward the Napa Valley. Which deposited there you know whatever a million years ago well and it's i think you're
0: at 2500 feet yeah
1: the vineyard is yeah mm-hmm. and that's and the there, peak you're at the peak up there which is 26.5 so yeah
0: yeah that's incredible and i like there's, there's a great picture on i think on the seller angels website right now of you two standing and you can see san francisco from parts of the property
1: yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. the very top of the hill you see the whole bay area we've we've done a fourth of july up there quite a bit and you can see like 35 different sets of fireworks all around the entire bay area it's pretty fantastic
0: that does not stink that that is uh, (laughs) they're not very
1: big but you can see them (laughs) you can see them
0: (laughs) but it's uh yeah, but I mean, if, I think the most people have ever seen, it, it's like, oh, we caught two towns with the fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you guys have caught 30. Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
2: so so uh, directly south.
0: Yeah, that's uh, and you can now see just how dense those forests were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then right below, uh, this is the house where all that fires burned right up to the house. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Uh, you're right. It's a pretty special place. Hang on, uh, Mission Control tells me she has one more picture, and we used to have the t- the tune to Jeopardy, but we wrote. <laughs> That's good. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: wow. nice on the terrace.
0: Another day in another day in life.
1: <laughs> work,
0: work, work, work. Yeah, work, work, work. This, this uh, is all this, we do. This, <laughs> Charcuteries and decanted wine, yeah. exactly. uh, but you do get an idea of how steep that is because that, that was after the shoot with John and Ashley who were gracious to uh, host us up there and uh, I, I really think that I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. I'm glad it's going well because it's just magical what you've been able to produce and uh, this Thank Grenache is, is singing. What is you know what's in store for you in the future. You mentioned earlier. Look, we don't ever want to be slaves to this type of thing because we're at x thousands of cases and it's all consuming twenty four seven. So, what does the future look like for each of you in this in this crazy business?
1: Well, um, so we've kind of expanded. Um, we we have a farming company and we farm about a hundred acres of mountain mountain vineyards now, um, and that's you know very rewarding. It's very rewarding to you know to be able to um have a, a great crew that we can um you know do some really great work around the Napa Valley and give you know give them a, a livelihood really um so that's been really rewarding we we always will make probably a very small amount of wine you know we're, we're at 150 cases now 50 of the cab and 100 of the grenache um and I think that's a great level for us you know it's, it's still something to present from our vineyard and um but, but not too much to have to, um, you know, really <laughs> be a slave to it. Um, and then, you know, farming our own vineyard. And, and uh, I don't know, I mean, I'm not really sure beyond that. You know, we're pretty, we're pretty pleased with the way things have gone and, and the work we've been able to do. And uh,
0: the, the, the hundred acres that you farm, uh, is that for two or three producers? Is it for one, is it for a half dozen?
1: We have eleven clients now. So some are very small. We have a a couple of ten-acre vineyards, but yeah, Yeah. but all mountaintops. So so our crew doesn't love us that much because they go from our place all the way to the top of Atlas Peak to the top of Angwin. To you know, we are we are a little spread out.
0: (laughs) So if someone has a mountaintop vineyard, they're like, no, no, no. They're like, oh no, I have got the crew for you. I've got the
1: one you need. They're
0: in good shape. They're young. They're in good shape. that is incredible uh, yeah
2: martin i mean i think maybe uh, even to drill down a little bit more into your question is we have a 21 year old uh 17 and a 15 year old so people ask us and they ask them is this something you guys want to do and you know at that age they don't know they're they're not positive our our kids come out we actually this was the first year we officially hired our son to work for us he uh he's driving tractors he's delivering fruit with the flatbed out of these properties, you know, he's really shown to, you know, be very, he always has been very responsible. You know, he's been driving tractors since he was seven years old, but seeing him drive he, out of there in the he,
0: flatbed. Is, is he the 21 year old or the 17? No, he's 17.
2: seventeen. he's 17 now, he was 16 this year. And so okay. he just got his license. And so, you know, he, people were like, you're gonna allow him to drive to your flatbed with four tons of fruit down this road, off this hill. And I was a bit nervous and I think Ashley was too. So he asked me, he said, dad, could you just drive it out the dirt road and get me onto the pavement and I'll take it from there? <laughs> so I said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So I got him out to the end of the road. We switched. He took it down, delivered it to Behringer, delivered it to the handwritten. And, you know, it was a, I think it was a really um, empowering moment for him to be able to feel like I can do this. You know, there's something my dad, and my mom has always done. But, you know, so but again, I don't know if that's something he wants to do in his life. And our 15-year-old daughter, we don't know whether she wants to do it uh, in in her life as well. And so we encourage them. We try to get them involved um, as much as we can, but we don't make them work for the company. And I I just, we want them to come at it organically and not feel like I always had to do this. I hated it when I was growing up. And so... We'll
1: see but they do understand a yeah. family business this is your responsibility this time of year yeah. so there's, certain, I, things that's, you know, there's certain things that we require and and i think they appreciate that you know hopefully
0: <laughs> no and it's um i i like that kind of that that adult right to passagehood you know it's kind of like oh okay i i was able to accomplish this type of thing so i that's a huge empowering moment for him
2: yeah, yeah. We
0: also- no, and, and we were joking uh, prior to starting that when I was 17, I was making certain my fake ID didn't get confiscated. Yeah. I was not. <laughs> I, and I would like, I would like to have a show of hands in the chat line, please, and, and everyone bear me out, ladies included. I'm sure some of you had fake IDs back in the day uh, with your driver's license. I learned an interesting, I learned an interesting factoid about Mission Control who used to make yeah. fake IDs. So uh that uh oh i think nick shram thank you for bailing me out nick had two fake ids so <laughs> scotland Kiefer, what country got, he
2: was in huh?
0: yeah scotland had all my fake ids taken away at a bar in dc so <laughs> 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 see all of us were from a from a similar era and some things don't change but yep. that, that's a riot Doug rutherford i says no i was too chicken <laughs> <laughs> There was a bit of trepidation, but if you you know if you grew up with uh, older brothers and sisters like I did, they were usually your your supplier. That's exactly. (laughs) But you're right. There's and and uh, there's a lot of changes now. So I don't know how parents are doing it uh, these days because there can't be anything that a child can pull over their parents.
1: Yeah, I know exactly. We we feel that way. If the technology Not, the, te- the technology still stops us in our tracks, so they can get around all our blocks our, uh, yeah. on technology. So that that I haven't figured out yet. Yeah, we'll
0: see. <laughs> yeah, that's we, it's a very good point. We think they aren't pulling anything over us. And then when they turn 21 or 22, or they get married, they're going to start showing you some yeah, pictures. We realize, body. exactly. <laughs> I, I like, uh, Stefan says, I never needed a fake ID. I grew up in Germany. The drinking age was 16. <laughs>
1: there you, you go, there. exactly. <laughs>
0: So I do have one poll question that kind of uh, dovetails off of this subject uh, because I, I love the agricultural aspect because you really have a connection to the land and, and you are farmers. I grew up on a farm, didn't do it. You know, it was row crops, uh, beans and corn in the Midwest, but it wasn't anything like what you're doing. But I, I'm always curious if, if, in fact, if you weren't making wine and meeting great people, we would developing healthy agricultural plant strains for human consumption, uh, we would be remote vineyard consulting from a beach, uh, we cannot think of doing anything more satisfying than why. And and so I can already see answers are all over the board uh, and the nice thing is is that uh, I don't want to say our our supporters cheat and use use their smartphones to get some of these answers in weeks prior. Uh, but this one they can't they can't research so all right i'm going to give this five more seconds four three two one and it is all over the board so we've got (laughs) develop healthy agriculture remote vineyard consulting or cannot think of anything more satisfying so if you weren't doing this what would you be doing
1: uh if we weren't farming grapes, we'd be farming. I mean, honestly, that's really where our passion is, is, um, you know, farming, farming some really beautiful crops for people to enjoy um, food and, and wine go so well together. But um, farming is our passion. You know, that's what, it, there's so much, uh, so much benefit we see from um, really good work in, with the soil. And-
2: well, Ashley said to me, not that long ago, she said, you know, what would it, what if we were to sell the vineyard and buy a big cattle ranch somewhere? <laughs> and I was like, a cattle ranch? I don't know anything about cattle. <laughs> okay, but for I guess, cattle. yeah, and that, I don't know. Yeah, just something to do with the land and raising something, I think is what Ashley and I have always loved to do. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's interesting. And so, yes, it would still be in some
0: form of farming. Well, and I find it interesting how you got into farming. If you both grew up in military families, uh, I don't draw the connection there. Uh,
1: John actually worked; uh, he's been walking fields since he was fifteen. So, um... growing up
2: in the San Joaquin Valley, right? Pretty much all your friends are farmers. It's you know, it just,
0: exactly. just who you
2: are. When my dad retired uh, from the Navy, and we moved up there, to where my grandparents lived. It just I just grew up around mostly farm kids or dairy kids or, and it just I loved it now every father a friends of mine when I would tell him I wanted to go on a farm he said don't do it so, I mean because the Sanwaukee Valley is a, it's a tough place to farm commodities out there you know when you're growing cotton and it's doing fine one year and it's horrible the next year it's it's a it's a little bit in some ways harder life than growing great wine and knowing you have a product that somebody's going to contract to you for for many years and so, I understood kind of what they were getting at, but I just love what they did out there. I, I just, I love the idea of farming. And so, yeah, I just it was so something I been doing for a young age, I was going to do.
0: Well, I think it's awesome that you're doing something connected to the land. And, and farming is difficult, growing grapes is, I think, really difficult because there's so much outside of your control. That's
1: been the most frustrating piece in the last few years is is the fires and, you know, what's been going on, um, you know, in California, it's just made it where it's made all the inputs we put in, you know, just very difficult to not even be able to, you know, produce these beautiful um, products you know, because of something completely
2: out of our control. I mean, three out of the last four years, I know you, you guys across the, the country have heard, you know, you follow the news, you see what's going on. I mean, literally three out of the last four years at harvest, which is the most stressful, you know, it's your time that we finally get to pull these things and get them to the winery. And you're told you can't even get to your property because the roads are blocked, fires are going, and it, it has just been a, it's just not something we were prepared for, yeah. I guess. You knew you're going to deal with drought and you know water and pests. And, frost
1: years and Those, types those things, things were inherent those with farming. It's yeah, it's the fire. The, fires and the been, change in California that's been yeah the most difficult. And I think most
2: of us, if you asked most of us in this industry, would I think have a similar answer. At least we all, as we talk, we all just we just can't understand in some ways what we've been going through. Just trying to just be farmers, be winemakers. And yet, at our most critical period, we're dealing with something completely out of our hands.
0: And yeah, it, it's, So it's yeah, it's been a challenge. And and it's and like we talked earlier, you know, there's no guidebook for that. Um, no. <laughs> you, you can take the pests, you can take the insects, you can take the frost, because that's all yeah. part of farming. Uh, the oh. drought years, the excessive heat years, uh, but but fires, earthquakes. I mean, those aren't anticipated. Yeah. And, we and have that so protein. it's. It's uh, crazy. I do want to show, uh, now that we know that this is an absolute perfect Thanksgiving wine, where people can find this wine. So if you go to the Cellar Angels website and you are not on your profile page, you can go to wine and you will see uh, the ability to order not only virtual wine tasting kits uh, for Thanksgiving that we've prepared for you, but also the Lampierde Vineyards 2018 Grenache. All right. So, uh, this is a steal of a Grenache, only 100 cases made, as you just heard. Uh, it is going to pair with just about everything on the Thanksgiving table, uh, not mac and cheese, Sean. So, I know that's a <laughs> regular staple item in the Manning household for things. Actually, Sean is an excellent cook when it comes to smoking meat. So, I would imagine this would be simply fantastic with uh, ham, brisket, and those sorts of things. Uh, but it really is something special. And so I, I want to just let people know it's on the website right now. Next week, interestingly enough, we have another Rhone, uh, Jeff Loomis. And Jeff has, and this was actually named before the fires, but this is called Ember. And, and and Jeff is the only 100% Rhone varietal grower in all of Napa. So he doesn't do anything but roan varieties. Okay, yeah. And I encourage people to check out the Thanksgiving kits Uh, definitely grab some of this, this Grenache. I know we will, uh, because as the famous, I think it was Remington that said, you know, I'm not just the owner of the company, I'm a customer. So, uh, (laughs) so so we, we drink what we buy and buy what we drink. And this has been spectacular. Uh, You guys have been amazing. And, and is there anything that we should know in, in closing that we don't already know, or that you want to leave the audience with?
2: I'm taking her out to dinner tonight after this. (laughs) We had somebody. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, it's a Friday night date night.
1: It's early here.
2: (laughs) No, that's fine. Napa's opening up. You know, we're at think at fifty percent capacity yeah, now and we have a lot of outdoor yeah. dining. It's it's got a little cold cold today. It's this is the first day of kind of
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place to come visit right now. Yeah. I mean the wineries are open, the restaurants have sidewalk dining. It feels like you're in Paris or you know somewhere in Europe. It's really uh it's yeah. a, really a, a beautiful place to be, especially this time of year. So
0: yeah the cool
2: interestingly brought a new dynamic to Napa. We didn't do a lot of, for whatever reason, outdoor dining. Mm-hmm. And it's really mm-hmm. pushed all the restaurants. We built, every restaurant has built a parklet now outside to sit, you know, in the parking spaces. And yeah, it's really created a very interesting, yeah, very we were talking with one of the supervisors a couple of weeks ago. And I said, what do you think? Is this going to continue? Because I don't see why we wouldn't. It's really created a really vibrant, interesting mm-hmm. downtown that we didn't have as much of before. And so that's really exciting. We really like what it looks like.
0: That's actually pretty cool because I know they they shut down a couple streets in Chicago for a couple weekends to try it out. But I can definitely see where that would have appeal in downtown Napa. From uh, it provides yeah. that whole international bistro feel, and yeah. people are sitting outside. That's a great idea.
1: It's so nice most of the year here, so it really is beautiful
0: to be outside. So, well, we are. By the way, if someone wants to come taste your wines, can they do that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we do do small group tastings up at the vineyard. Um, it's a commitment, as you have explained, um, to get up there and to be there. But if, if people want to come, absolutely.
0: So. Perfect. Well, the next time we are out there, we are going to see you in person. And uh, we hope to get out there soon. Uh, I can't thank you enough for the hospitality. Your your graciousness knows no limits. And the farming and agricultural side of this business is extremely difficult. So thanks for putting in those hours. Uh, as we always say, the proof is in the bottle. And you guys uh, just do it so well and with so much commitment and heartfelt praise that uh, we are humbled to be able to spend some time with you.
1: Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for having well, us thanks. on here and thinking thanks
2: of
0: us. Thanks everybody and, yeah. for spending some time with us. <laughs> Appreciate God it. Stay safe. Be good to every- Be good to one another, everyone. And we will see you next week. Cheers.
2: Take care. Bye. <laughs>